You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. I have a question for all of you listening. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Have you seen our 15-year celebration video on YouTube? Mm -hmm. It's pretty funny. We reached out to all of our peers, and they sent videos, some of them roasting us, some Uh of them just appreciating, and it was nice to hear from everybody. It was was cool. There's there's some funny moments in there. There's some very good stuff. In fact, that's my big question for all of you. Have you seen all the cameos? Which is your favorite one? And please (laughs) comment which your favorite one is. I just... I, I go back and forth having watched it multiple times editing it I yeah. keep going no no I think that one's my favorite there's there's some really funny stuff in there plus there's stuff from crew and, and people that write for us and Paul and I answering lots of questions the questions all came from you guys the people that are our patrons posted questions on Discord. That's where all of our talking points came from. It's actually a pretty fun piece. We even heard from some of our writers in there, which yeah, is great. Yeah, Nate's great. in there. It's pretty cool. So check that out when you get a chance. And also, tomorrow is Season 11 TV Episode number 5. It is the second half of the Cars of the Past East Coast trip. Yeah. Currently playing on YouTube as well. This airs Saturday, July 30th, 2022 at 730 Eastern. And huge thanks to our sponsors. You've heard us thank them before, but we really couldn't do it without them. Covercraft, Griot's Garage, and Autotempest.com. Huge thanks to all of those companies helping us produce the TV episodes. And then that way we can put them on YouTube as well. So we really appreciate it. It is coming to Amazon. It will be on Vimeo for our patrons. That is all happening, but we wanted to get the season out the door first. We have actually had that happen, which means the Z car is coming in a little over a week, which I'm excited about as well. A quick announcement that a big sale on Blipshift begins today, and some of our top-selling t-shirts are available again. If you have not yet gotten the Daily Triple Happiness Ahead or Car Pain Diem shirts, which used to be called the I Speak Car shirt, go to our partner store at blipshift.com and you'll find them there. We really appreciate your support. I know Blipshift does too, and we'll continue to update you on shirts that come back on sale. Three cars that we need to discuss briefly that have been in the news, they've appeared, the first one is the gigantic Cadillac Celestique, mm. which has been revealed. It is their flagship vehicle, all-electric, $300,000. Here's our entry into the global high-end luxury market. Okay. Does anybody remember the 2003 Cadillac 16 concept? Yes. Yes. Cadillac has been doing this for a long time, uh-huh. and they can't do small cars. And by that, I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> Cadillac, we don't do small. And when they do, it's the Cimarron, which exactly. is just rebadged anyway. Yeah. Well, by that, I mean, it's not that they can't because I'm sure they can produce one, but it doesn't match the Cadillac badge. That's a good point. And they've also, since then, for many years, teased us with large, beautiful concepts that mm-hmm. are not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And here they're doing it again to the point where they have revamped their technical center in Detroit, spent $81 million to build this. So this is actually being invested in to manufacture and sell and compete against the Bentleys and Rolls Royces of the world. They, you see cues throughout the years, the styling cues, and now have evolved into something that frankly is quite beautiful. That roof arc is Gorgeous, actually. The full it's hatchback. A hatchback. Thing. It's interesting that it's, it's a, a hatch large, well. yeah. expensive hatchback. Yeah. And I'm also fascinated that it still has a long nose, mm-hmm. like that Cadillac 16 concept, which from the 20s and 30s indicated luxury because mm-hmm. of the huge gas powered engines You're under right. the hood. Right. The styling remains here in the future. I am fascinated that that kind of proportion says high-end luxury. Yeah, I wonder how universal this this styling will be. I mean, the fact that so many of us are always like, you should make a hatchback version of whatever car we're talking about. Where I was like, this needs a hatchback (laughs) version. We we like things to have a big open hatch, but I, I wonder... If the market is there for that, because I feel like a lot of people that buy stuff like this <laughs> for three hundred thousand dollar luxury fastbacks don't want hatchbacks, and I'm also curious if that big monster hood is also a frunk, or if that's all filled with electronics. It should also be a frunk. If you had a frunk and a hatch on this, that would be unbelievably usable. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what actually comes with this. I'm. This is still too way way too far in the concept uh, area for me. I'm waiting for the what's the real one. 
what's the one that the press can get into? But this, I mean, right, you know, right. they're, they're saying it's real. I'm going to not be holding my breath, but very curious. <laughs> well, you remember rumble seats from back in the day. Oh, yes. They would flip open, mm-hmm. and the people are outside the car. With a hood this long, how about a rumble seat in the front? <laughs> It'd be like... <laughs> the rumble seat? No, that's that's wrong. It'd be like the Grumman Albatross. That's very funny. Where you sit up front and man the machine guns, and you could be way out front and enjoying <laughs> the fresh air and all the bugs. It's the new luxury. This is where we're at. <laughs> Goggles are included. <laughs> yes. Car number two is the Maserati MC20 GT2. That has been revealed in full FIA race spec to participate in the GT2 European Series, which means the 24 Hours of Spa in 2023, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, was won three times by the Maserati MC12 GT run, run by the Vitaphone racing team in 05, 06, and 08. I'm such a nerd. I'm totally on board with Maserati now. This (laughs) thing looks awesome. You are completely on board. I have totally done a flip you're pulling up maserati race history with the mc12 i am so into maserati now and it's ridiculous i feel like a fair weather fan for sports i really do i'm i'm so phony no no but but i would no i'll give you credit in one place you've had a complete flip-flop yes however it's not like maseratis are all suddenly brilliant and everyone loves them and you've decided to come along that's the fair weather fan thing yeah you've just decided in spite of the foibles in spite of the issues in spite of your car that had constant weird problems it had enough personality and you loved it enough that you're like you know what i'm gonna overlook all that i love maserati (laughs) that you actually are now a true fan okay Okay. because the true fans are the ones that love their sports team when their sports team is terrible and they're still there in the snow with a scarf on but no shirt and something written on their chest that's the true fan (laughs) You're that guy from Maserati. I guess so. I mean, I still will not acknowledge the early bi-turbos and the cars that were terrible because they were. And they maybe they had personality when they ran, but... You know, acknowledging their foibles and how bad cars were, but then these are cool and modern technology and modern manufacturing methods have made these probably pretty awesome. Well, I find it interesting that the MC12, which was essentially an Enzo in a suit, yeah, wasn't very successful anywhere but as a random race car. Yeah, they, true. they just didn't seem to work on the road, but yet there they were winning races. Last car we need to talk about is the Mini Concept Aceman. Mm. They dropped the P off the uh-huh. front. It's just the Aceman. I'm telling you, that's one of those Friday morning meetings. Somebody figured that out and went to lunch. That's what happened. <laughs> Tom Ace. Nice to meet you. Name that movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. You want to see you want to see Jim Carrey lose his mind on camera, watch the Ace Ventura movies. Also, have you noticed that random bits of trivia? He's in Ace Ventura. Uh-huh. Opposite Courtney Cox at the height of Friends. Yeah. Then he's in Bruce Almighty right after Friends with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, that's true. He was in, he starred in a movie with each of them. I find that fascinating. Random things. Tom Ace. Nice, <laughs> nice to meet you. Coming through, people. Well, this car has been revealed as a small EV concept. And even though I really like the styling... Because it's mini and because they feel so free Mm -hmm. to push the styling and make it fun and look interesting. And still connect to their look. Connect to their brand, connect to their look. I still think small EV concepts are cars that are way ahead of current battery technology. They're too small to carry a a large enough Mm -hmm. battery pack Mm -hmm. to have worthwhile range. As Mm -hmm. much as it's cool, I hope it has better range than just over 100 miles. Yeah, because that's not useful. So. As cool as that looks, it's a circular center screen. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. all the textures and patterns and colors, they went nuts. They let themselves have a lot of creative freedom and artistry. I can see a lot of effort went into it. And it turned out great. Mm-hmm. It's just the size of the vehicle itself is far ahead of where we're at with battery technology. And you're worried about the packaging of the power. I see that. I mean, we've got something like a Bolt, which feels like it's similar in this size. That's doing like 230, 250 miles. Sure. But everybody's new electric concepts are talking about 500. Right. And so that, that's a question mark. I hear you. Right. And then, you know, we're at the Hummer EV, which has a lot of range, well over 300. <laughs> Unless you turn on. But it's double stack battery pack and it yeah. weighs 3,000 pounds, more than this mini yeah. EV concept. Yeah, you're right. So it's terrifying. Where are we at? Love the design. In all three of these, the Celestique, the MC20, and the, the mini concept, mm. fantastic. And they're all different flavors. Yeah, they don't right. all look the same. That you're is right. very encouraging. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car. And instead of just thinking about go fast parts, what about 
stop fast parts. Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included too. PowerStop is on a mission to provide complete and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today. Whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days, including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. We have two great car debates coming at you. We've got Dan writing in from Southwest Vermont. He is looking for a quieter car, and then this spirals into madness. <laughs> so, so he wants a quiet car, and I can't wait to talk about that one. Of course, Brandon's also writing in from the Northeast. He just wants a V8. Sometimes you want a V8. Well, let's start with Dan in Southwest Vermont, who says he's in need of a quieter car to do longer drives in. Mm-hmm. Dan is 24, just started his engineering career in Vermont, and he says whatever he buys will get a set of winter tires, so it's a given. Great. And he says the budget is around $15,000 with a Paul limiter of 20,000 hard stops. So 20,000. So 20 grand. <laughs> got it. Okay. He's got a 30-minute commute one way, which is small highways, mm-hmm. no MOF to speak of at this point. And Dan's been a car guy all his life. He doesn't plan for that to change anytime soon. And he currently drives a 2014 Jetta Sportwagon TDI manual transmission. Okay, interesting. So far, it's been a good car. So far. Well, but see, this is where this spirals into madness. Because... Define good, Dan. Yeah, Dan says this is a good car. And then we spend a while talking about why it isn't a good car. Well, that's true. He says he got it CPO before the market went crazy with a CPO and a diesel gate warranty. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did, is it is that what it's called? A diesel gate warranty? <laughs> Do they have the paperwork? Can you send us a photo where actually Volkswagen put diesel gate on the paperwork? Diesel gate. I don't think yeah. they did, but I would love to see that. Well, as it turns out, both of these warranties have come in handy over the course of his ownership with things here and there being replaced like exhaust back pressure valves, two front springs, blower motors, driver's door hinge, and more. While the car is far from perfect cosmetically, it still looks good after a rain or after it's been cleaned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so does any car. Yeah, all right. Currently, the transmission has started, started to act up a little bit. It's become harder to sh- easily shift into first, fourth, and fifth. So more than two-thirds of your gears. Yes. It requires a little bit of care and attention until everything is up to temperature. This is a 2014 sport wagon, mm-hmm. a modern car by mm-hmm. all standards. Well, yes. And again, he started with, it's been a good car. It does. <laughs> and I'm going to review here. Front spring issues, blower motor, driver's door hinge. The driver's door hinge is an ongoing thing that has resulted in the car now being crazy loud. We'll get back to that. It doesn't shift properly. It's a six-year-old car. doesn't shift properly. I've got a 928, which is a 40-year-old car. He actually says the shift requires a delicate touch and occasionally a prayer. This is a modern car. You're describing things as if this were a vintage build, a hot rod, a one-off. I have a 1960s Volkswagen, and here's the stuff that's a little off with it. Okay. Once it gets up to temperature, she runs pretty well. And Well, for a six-year-old car? All right. Eight-year-old car? car. Yeah, yeah. Still, it's crazy. Well, he says the main reason he's writing is because the car has gotten loud. <laughs> Not okay. engine noise or rattles, but wind and tire noise. The engine noise gives the car character. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh-huh. And it's one of the main reasons he bought the car, other than being a wagon and a manual transmission. Which is rare. At first, he thought it was just crappy tires that were the source of the problem. But a new set of stickier Continental Extreme Contact Sports proved that wasn't the issue. I have to stop there and say this, Dan. If you're looking for low tire wear, I mean, low tire noise, you can't go with performance tires. That's oh, exactly. You have to go yeah. with, like, eco tires if you're worried about tire noise. Extreme contact Continentals are not going to be quiet tires. They're not going to be really any louder than any other performance tire. But compared to, like, an eco tire, they're going to be louder. Well, that and the noise is going to change as they wear. Yes, for sure they will. Well, Dan's current suspicion is that the replacement of the driver's door hinge changed how the door aligns so it lets more wind and road noise in. (laughs) Again, it's a 2014, folks. Mm. He's already taken it back to the body shop to fix how it sits and aligns. He'd never go back there again. It's likely one of those things that was probably best left alone, but he wanted to be able to open and close the door without using most of his body weight. He says lubricating the mechanism only did so much. 
But it's gotten so loud that driving more than one hour at highway speeds has made him consider wearing hearing protection, and it makes him mm. not want to drive the car for long distances. Uh, Dan, I'm and by say, the way, good car. Remember that good car statement Dan, I, up at the I'm top? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry for the tough love here, but this is not a good car. This is not a car worth keeping. And I'm mentioning it because the rest of this email moves forward with a kind of assumed reality that you're going to keep the wagon. Right. I have to agree, Dan. Moving on to Dan's ownership history, which includes an 05 Mercury Montego Premier all-wheel drive. Okay. It says Haldex-based, if you're curious. <laughs> Great. He maintains it's one of the best cars you can drive in several inches of snow and ice if you've got winter tires. A CVT all-wheel drive and no stability control means you can get the back out. If you want to be sideways, you can be sideways or backwards, as he found out. He's <laughs> Again, driven also, several- <laughs> I think that's a good car either. I, I don't either. Lots of things are great with winter tires. Anyway, he's driven several different cars, including a brand new Audi A5 Sportback, a Volkswagen Jetta, pretty new, a 2020 F-150, another Audi All-Road from 2018, He's driven a JSW TDI DSG Volkswagen, a 2013 F-150 Jettas, GTIs. Oh, a 2012 Cayman R. He'd buy one of those. And then more Audis, an S4, an A4, and another 2000 S4. You can't already tell he does have a thing for Volkswagen and Audi. I just ran the tally. That's 13 cars listed that he's driven. Yeah. There are two Ford F-150s, and the rest are Volkswagen products. I realize I'm stretching it by saying a Cayman R, but the well, rest of them is. are Volkswagen products. Yeah. So, okay, that that is, uh, two Ford F-150s and then Volkswagens. Right. This okay. Is very strange. Onward. Vehicles he's considered are the Mercedes SL500 or SL600, the R29 version, mm-hmm. an Audi A8 or S8 from 97 to 02. Those are cool. Awesome. <laughs> A Volkswagen Phaeton. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I see why you cons- you're considering it. I see why the consideration has How come. How long did you consider it? Did you just lay but down until the urge goes you, away? You probably should. Cause, and, I, and I love the things. I can't, I can't get past the fact that I love them, but uh, yeah. yeah. He's considered a Touareg. The V10 TDI is cool, but unrealistic to own and work on or even think about buying. If you haven't seen our latest posting on social media, we posted the V10 TDI Phaeton we discovered in Germany. Yes. Amazing. Which, was, which I, I lusted after in, in spite of the fact that I knew I shouldn't. I, it was, I was of two minds on that car for sure. He, let's see. Oh, a 987 Cayman, a 965 Cayenne, a Mercedes S-Class, a Jaguar XK8, other Jags, the XJS V12, why, okay, the okay. XJ and XJL, the two-door Bronco. <laughs> Wait, screech. But he says, <laughs> look, I know, I know this doesn't actually solve my problem. I just think they're really cool. <laughs> He says something, as Utah say, in a color. He wants something because both cars he's owned have been silver and gray, and he doesn't find it appealing unless it's super clean. So, mm-hmm. no black or white or off-white or silver or gray or melted Barbie doll beige colors. Okay. I like that. That's the new description. All right. New from Mazda. Melted Barbie doll beige. But right he does say brown is okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway. The more different it is from others. That's why brown's okay. The better. That's why brown's okay, because you don't so. see very many brown cars, even though I want to say uh, right here, no. no brown, brown Mercedes cars. wagon? Diesel? Yeah, see, no. See, that's supposed to be the, the auto journalist thing. I'm still going to say no. It'll be Dan's thing, because he already has you know, the Volkswagen yeah. and the Dieselgate warranty, and it's a diesel, and it's brown. Mm-hmm. But what he'd like to achieve here is a quiet car that's engaging to drive, and maybe something completely different than what he's used to. He's open to the idea of selling the sport wagon. We both think you should. But get this. He likes tinkering with it. He can do some maintenance himself, himself and small mm-hmm. projects don't scare him. And it's also a good do-it-all car that he doesn't have to worry about too much. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I heard wait, a lot wait. of worries about. I heard a lot of those. He also says it's fun on the track as well. The epitome of slow car fast. Okay. I mean, the entire paragraph further up here is... What I'm hearing, that the sentence behind the paragraph I'm hearing you say is, I love to pour money into German cars. Look, I do too. I, I'm <laughs> currently still doing that. Paul is now your leader. Follow the flag. Paul has a flag in the air, has a 928 on it. I f- <laughs> this way, everybody. Why isn't anybody behind me? Well, I feel like I'm getting something because I'm restoring an old car over time, and I'm keeping an old car running. Dan, your car is not an old car. It's 2014. It's a modern mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. 
you shouldn't be pouring the kind of money you are and dealing with the kinds of problems you are yeah. with a modern car. If I described all those problems and issues with my 928, you'd be like, yeah, it's an old car. It's an old German car. Mm-hmm. It's got foibles, got quirks. It's 40 years old. It's Forty. You know, I understand yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. the one dealing with it. Fine. You're dumping money into it. Great. You're dumping money into a 2014 sport wagon, and from here it doesn't get better, Dan. It's not like it's improving on the way up. And if it did, that means you're pouring even more money into it. And why would you pour money into that car? This is the turn. If I just get another year into my 2014 sport wagon, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) It's going to be better. Yikes. But then you'll have a pristine sport wagon. So we both think you should sell it. I think I can speak for you yeah, in this I, instance. I do. I, Dan, I, what I like is I appreciate your love for it, and I appreciate it has just embedded itself in you, and you love it, and you've done everything with it. Winter driving, commuting, tracking, you've done it all, Yeah, and you really yeah. like it. But I think at the moment you're being held back by the fact that you're early in your car experience. Mm-hmm. Everything else you've driven has mostly been Volkswagen Group, which also colors you to that wagon, I think. Because yeah. it's in that family, and you kind of like that feel, and you haven't gotten out of that enough. So I, I think I think it can go, and I think you've got a lot of crazy fun cars ahead of you, also usable cars ahead of you. Uh, I, I think it's time. I have a theory. Okay. Newly formed. Okay. And that is for Volkswagen Audi owners and Porsche owners, do we not have a good car experience if we can't tinker and do something with our cars and replace? And if something doesn't break and it's perfectly reliable, it's not a good car experience. <laughs> I'm asking on behalf of okay. me. And okay. if it doesn't break and you can't pour money into it, you can't do something, you can't tinker. Is, and, is reliable boring is what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is here's the thing. I will say this. This is one of the issues you and I have had with some of the Lexus product. Because we know they're crazy reliable, and people always say in the comments, when you and I don't just fawn over a Lexus product, the first thing in the comments is, well, but it's going to be reliable. But reliable doesn't necessarily mean you want to drive it. It can be crazy reliable. It doesn't mean you want to drive it. Now, it doesn't mean that, like, the Lexus LC500s we actually like, okay? Mm-hmm. The IS500 mm-hmm. was surprisingly good, okay? The, so there's Lexus product that we like, but reliable and fun do not have an equal sign. They have a low stress meter, Mm -hmm. but they don't have an equal Mm -hmm. sign. But then there's the flip side, which is here you are restoring your 928, which can be described as anything but reliable, but you're having a blast in it. I do think there's middle ground here, though. Stuff that just runs. I have my Lotus back. It's been in the shop for a month. Now, that sounds horrifying. It's been in the shop for a month because nobody on the planet wants to stock Lotus parts. I needed a weird fitting for the coolant system that had sprung a leak and it took a month to find the right part to actually get it. It was a very easy fix. There there was there was literally I had the exhaust replaced with a stock exhaust. Thank you Justin. I prefer the stock exhaust. I had a new uh, serpentine belt done. Oh, oil, you did? Okay. oil change. And this fix, and it was six hours of labor. So keep in mind, it was gone for a month for six hours of labor. Because it just had to sit and wait. My point here is the Lotus, one of the reasons I love it so much is because it just runs. If that was constant problems, I don't think I'd love it as much, and I probably wouldn't still have it. So you have to find your own way. Mm. Dan apparently is okay with punishment, like the door doesn't fit right. <laughs> Dan, this strikes me as relationship advice. And I haven't been married, but I've heard from married guys, and this has been corroborated by the girlfriends that I've had. Uh When they come to you, when your spouse comes to you with a problem, you can say two things. Do you want me to just listen? Or do you want me to fix the problem? <laughs> and, the, and there is no there is no hard and fast answer There's no to that, right. by the way. You know, sometimes you're you're the woman in your life just wants you to listen. Mm-hmm. And that is okay, and that's enough. You need somebody to listen, <laughs> Dan, while you share you about your car. You just need a set car. of ears here? <laughs> or do you want us to fix the problem? I thought I started out with an 11th generation Honda Civic Si. Oh. But as cool as that is, it didn't blow the budget quite enough. <laughs> it does blow the budget. It does. Yeah, sadly. Dan, mm. get, get used to the idea of selling your car, Okay. Just get ready for that because <laughs> hopefully by doing so, somebody else can take on that albatross Yes, and you'll get a little bit more money and your budget can go up to $32,000 where the Hyundai Elantra N starts. Oh, I see where you went. This is 31 miles to the gallon. So for your commute, pretty good gas mileage. 
276 horsepower, so it's fast. Manual transmission, it's track ready. And most of all, it's going to be reliable, and I'll bet you it's probably pretty quiet on the highway. Mm. And it's cool. And let me scroll back up here where you said, oh, you want it to be unique. You want it to be different than anybody else on the road. And that does come in a cool color, by the way. Yeah, it does. I think your car at 24 years old is the Hyundai Elantra N. It's a nice balance between sporty and fun and reliable and quiet Mm. and still probably not the worst thing for insurance. Interesting. I think it's a balance in there. Plus, he's 24. Next year, his insurance starts going down. So you're close enough to okay. the insurance kick that we'll... we'll, we'll Maybe we'll throw pass. that out. Yeah. But it's going to be great. It's going to be fun to drive. The big problem with that, it's going to be reliable. That's the problem. <laughs> you won't get to tinker. I'm sorry. This is still running. It yes. will offer you nothing on the weekends to do to it because it will just run. It'll be waiting for you, ready to go at all times. You, you won't have to buy any parts for it. You won't have to take it to the shop. You'll just get to drive it. How does that sound? Dan, welcome to driving. I like that. This is good. This is good stuff. I actually got close to where you are with one of my recommendations. I'm going to jump there first and then, and then come back a little bit. I actually think that a used Veloster N okay. may be in his budget. That, that would be the, the car in his budget. I agree. And That's so nice. see if you can find a used Veloster in, in a color. It came in a red. It came in that same chalky blue that the Elantra comes in. It comes in a black, of course. That car is uh, a bit louder than you're probably hoping for for your street car, but it does have – you can dial the exhaust up to levels of, of ferocity. So you can like get in the car and pick. Mm-hmm. And so I think, to, to the point you were making before, Paul, I think it might be quiet enough because of the issues you're having with your car, this car wouldn't have. So I think the Veloster Inn is, is a real option. <laughs> yeah. Dan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this next sentence in an effort to kind of reset the conversation. Okay. You want quiet, economical – Usable, reliable, good for commuting. You know what wins that list? Because hmm. fun's not on that list. The Prius. The Prius just wins. If we're really mm. shopping those things, quiet, economical, reliable, usable, Prius. Okay? Well, yeah. Now, I'm not saying get a Prius, Dan, but I'm saying this is kind of what your email calls for. Now, you went toward things like a used Phaeton or an Audi A8, Wow. Yes, quiet, awesome on the commute. But you think you're spending money now, my friend. I mean, the stuff that you're going to have you're to find. Absolutely right. So, the sentence where he said it's a blast at the track implied fun. It, it that changed fun. the conversation but, without him saying but it But he's shopping for, I got to drive a lot. That's mm-hmm. what he's primarily shopping for, which walks you right in the front door of the Prius ownership. But I don't want you to be there, and I don't think you do either. So I used that as a reference point. Huh. To come back to other things I think you're going to like. You like, like German stuff. Anything besides a Prius will sound great. <laughs> you like German stuff. So I get that as well. I'm going to mention you need to go shop Honda Accords. Just go huh. look at Honda Accords. Maybe find yourself a coupe with a six-speed. You could do that. Yeah. That would just run. You can get those in a color. Put a good set of tires on I mean, it. Bummer. Times, it's just going to run. I know. Darn the it. The only times we drove a coupe and didn't like it is because we felt like the tires were letting us down. But again, you may yeah. want to stay with yeah. some more all-season tires just because of tire noise. I don't know what your driving type is like, but a Honda Accord with a six-speed runs quiet, usable, reliable, yes. So that would work. Hmm. Another one in that category, the two-door kind of thing, you like German stuff, go find yourself a two-series, like a 228i yeah. BMW, yeah. the rear-wheel drive BMW. It's going to be very quiet and usable and nice and decent for gas mileage because it's a four-cylinder. Just a great highway car. But when you have the opportunity to take that on track, I've tracked one. It was great. Mm-hmm. Take it on track, put it on a back road. It's going to be wonderful. It's got a great sporty flavor. So yeah. two-series BMW is an option. More in the sedan style, a little bit better than the Honda Accord. How about a full-size Mazda 6? Good. Those are very, very nice. You want to commute. It's it's leaning toward that that twenty year old luxury cruiser you're looking at, like the Phaetons and the and the S class and that kind of stuff. It's down that road, but more modern, more reliable, and not nearly as expensive to run or maintain. Mm-hmm. So Mazda six. Mm-hmm. I I see your kind. It's interesting, but I think it's probably too big for you. I'm ignoring all Audis because you have had Audis and Audi coverage and Volkswagen. We're not going to do that. I have a wild card. It's not as quiet as you might want, but it's loud in all the right ways. Okay. And it's German. 
Okay. Mercedes AMG GLA 45, my friend. There's your little crazy hatchback wagon with a little bit of a luxurious interior. Fantastic seats, actually. It's it's more hardcore than the other stuff I've mentioned, but you'd really like that, I think. Well, that's pretty good. All right, Dan. You have some choices to make, my friend. Thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. Your debate was very enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to get something that that will run. Your I sport think. wagon is a good car, Dan. That's the big takeaway. <laughs> I mean, if you get another Audi or like that S8 from early 2000s, you're gonna have to get pucker on your license. You're tag. gonna get like, you're gonna recalibrate yikes. how much money you spend because yeah. here's a, this was my Phaeton experience. Fine when it's running, but every 30 days was like a little tap on my shoulder where the car went. You know, you don't have to do it this second, but I kind of need this, <laughs> and I'd look into this and be like, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 we're not doing that. Except for the, the sh- suspension that I had to do to drive the car. Everything else right. was just like, maybe I'll do that. That's maybe on the nice-to-have list now. Yeah, it was. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. It's summertime, which means it's track season. And if you're anything like us, you're looking for your next track event. And no matter what your skill level, this is why MotorsportReg.com is awesome. It's ridiculously easy for you to find and register for track events all across the country. But what's even crazier is you can actually get notices about stuff in an area around you, too. I get those emails, and they're awesome, and they remind me I don't go to the track enough. With over 7,000 events annually, it's the most complete events listing nationwide. And if you're an event organizer, Motorsport Reg will help you fill every event with tools that automate tasks, improve your accuracy, and grow participation, plus a full-time support team who are there when you need them. You can learn more and find events today at msreg.com slash everydaydriver. Sometimes you just want a V8. Brandon okay. writes to us from the Northeast as well, and he suffers from the disease. As soon as he buys a car, he's looking at the next one. That's that's every day for me. This is like commonplace over here, Brandon. Thank you for writing. Every time I'm yes. working, yeah, I can be in the middle of this. This is how bad I have it. I can be in the middle of the most stressful deadline for editorial, and some random car will float to my brain and be like, what are those running right now? And I'll go off and be like in a hole for 15 minutes. They'll be like, what am I doing? But what a great mental break, though. It is. I, it's, that's, it's, that's what happens. Just yep. step outside, get a breath of fresh air, shop for cars, and come back to whatever you're doing. Well... Brandon currently has an 2000 S2000 that's never going anywhere. Okay. He dailies a 2021 WRX, which is a pretty solid all-arounder, and scratches the itch for his unnatural love of Subarus. <laughs> this this is the same problem that Dan had with uh, Volkswagen products. Apparently, Brandon <laughs> must have a Subaru in his life. Brandon says that family duty is handled by his wife's Tahoe, and he won't drive anything that isn't a performance or sports car anyway. Good for you. Okay. He's owned a ton of different stuff, a 335 BMW, a bunch of WRX STIs, a random IS250. He's in for about 20 cars in the last 20 years. Okay. Wow. Good job. But here's his dilemma. Parts of him wants to trade the WRX and buy something like a brand new M340i. Just daily a 400 horsepower sedan and be done. (laughs) Okay. Good day. It's great, great idea. And if he does this, the budget is $60,000. Okay. He racks up miles sometimes with his job, so he says no crazy old S-Class recommendations or <laughs> Phaetons or yeah, anything okay. like that. Got it. Excellent. But he's also, on the other hand, considering just paying off the WRX and then adding a car with a V8 to his stable. Mm. A Corvette C7, a Hellcat Charger, something like that. The budget would be that same 60000 in a year or two. If he does that route. So it's further on down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last option is buying something older with a V8 right now for about twenty dollars to $25,000. The V8 part is important to Brandon because it's the one thing he's never owned. So he'd like to get that experience before all the good ones are unobtainium and mm. gone. Okay. He says the prices all have the Paul limiter built in, so <laughs> don't blow the budget. These are the actual prices. Got it. I am so excited, Brandon, because I found exactly your car did you okay i have a couple here (laughs) but i'm gonna start out with the thought that entered my mind first thing you were just like old v8 jensen interceptor i don't know why that popped into my mind (laughs) do not consider it it just i just thought you're not gonna randomly stumble in one of those i mean auto tempest might find you one but a jensen interceptor here (laughs) i mean wow talk about unique yeah for sure Uh uh-huh it is but then I moved on to the BMW E92 or E90 M3. E90 be great, yeah. Because you can see where I'm thinking. I like that you've got that WRX. You like it. It You do, do have that love for Subaru, so don't sell it. 
you've got that sorted because you're commuting. It seems like you've got something that is amazing. That S2000 isn't going anywhere. So you've got the amazing, sharp, very focused sports car checked. That box is checked in your life. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I had to do it. I looked them up. They're on Auto Tempest right now. A 1974 oh. Jensen Interceptor <laughs> oh, for 50 grand in Long Island. Oh. Another one in Mason, Arizona for 50 grand. A 70s Jensen Interceptor. They're a little more expensive than I thought. So, Brandon, forget forget <laughs> no, that idea. But no, no, but you weren't going there legitimately anyway. I just can't believe I'm looking at them. <laughs> I can't That's what I can't believe. Wow. Okay. So, as I was saying, keep the S2000, keep the WRX. You've got those two things sorted. You just want something different, a different flavor, and that can only be uh, sorted and solved by getting the next car and spending twenty to $25,000 on okay. that state-in-budget good Look news. At you. Your wife's happy with the Tahoe, so great. Everything's sorted. You just want this extra flavor, another ingredient in your driving mm-hmm. experience. So I toyed with E92s, like I said, the M3s, which are great. I found them for your budget. They're a little bit on the high mile, mile side, but I was talking with a friend just yesterday, and it doesn't matter about what future mileage is. It just matters that it runs today. Oh, fair point. Fair and point. you know, you've yeah. sorted it, but it, it is it runs proper right now. Now, yeah. which means it's probably going to continue to run for a while. We can't project and say, "Oh, it's got one hundred sixteen thousand miles on it. I shouldn't buy that car." Well, what maintenance has been done? It might yeah. be great until how is it running right now? Yeah, you're right. Great point. I toyed brand with the idea of a C four ZR one Corvette. As you mentioned, the C seven and that C four, that engine is such a honey. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. But then I thought, what about a British Corvette, Jaguar F type? That's excellent. I like that. Those are a little more expensive than twenty to $25,000, so I mm-hmm. pulled it back to a Pontiac GTO. Sure, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's that's right for you. So I went nuts. Oh, no. And I have decided, first of all, there's the wild card, the car that I think you should buy, go shop for. Again, because you've got the S2000, keep that in mind. The car you're going to buy... <laughs> Is a 2004 to 2011 Mercedes SLK 55 AMG. Ooh. It has, it's not a manual, but mm-hmm. you've got the S2000. This has True. the 7G True. Tronic with AMG speed shift, bigger brakes, and 355 horsepower in a 3,400 pound car. It's the generation that I had for our cheap sports car challenge. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it's not the greatest handling car in the world. It's not the best performing car, but in a small cabriolet, it's a hardtop convertible with the sound of that engine. That is the perfect V8 sound. Mm. Those, they're amazing. And it's actually pretty fast, too. It's a nice balance between your WRX and the S2000 because it's more of a GT car. It's small, mm. but you can have the top up. You can go on a cruise. You can go long distances with mm. it, and it's comfortable. You can put the top down and enjoy the noise. If you've never heard an AMG V8 at cracking at 4,000 plus, (laughs) gives you the shivers. That is the car I think you need to chase because they are 20 to $25,000. I guarantee you all of them are going to be in better condition and lower miles than the car I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're automatic, but okay, whatever. Yeah. And like I said, the ones that I found, they're 21, 24, somewhere in there, 60,000 miles. They've been babied. They've been really well taken care of. You can find an excellent one. And that V8, that noise, <laughs> that will satisfy you. I went further to my weird wild card and took you way back to the third generation Mercedes-Benz SL. That uh, that generation was 1971 to 1989. But focusing on in on the last part of that generation, Gateway Classic Cars in Charlotte, North Carolina, has a 1987 560 SL, mm. silver with burgundy interior for $21,000. Wow. It's got 166,000 miles, which from that era means it's just barely broken in. <laughs> but what a tank. What a cruiser machine. What a gorgeous throwback. V8, gorgeous Mercedes. They were built so well. It'll run forever. Take mm. care of that mm. thing. They're only twenty one grand. That's amazing. What a cool car that is unlike anything you've ever had. I turned to Mercedes for both my choices. So Look there you, you go. I'm intrigued by that SLK fifty five. Yeah, they're just you are. oh, they're just cool. But again, it's not like it's the best driving car ever. It's not the 
you know, most sharp performance car, you've got the S2000. Yeah, the, the S2000 is the interesting part of this, Brandon, because that exists in your life yeah. and it's not going anywhere, which means we don't have to chase perfect manual shifter. You've got it. Yeah. You don't have to t- chase high revving motor. You've got it. We don't have to chase convertible. You've got it. Mm-hmm. So we can go other places. We can overlap. We can go other places. The WRX, I am mixed on. I, I have two thoughts here. First off, you said you've owned a string of them. A part of me is like, can we move on? Can we sell that one and and just and not have one for a while at all? Right. I, I don't know. So so one part of me was thinking here because you talked about one, liking sports car feel. One part of me was like, let's sell the WRX. I say let's like I'm involved, Brandon. What if you sell the WRX? What if you get a new four door, new to you four door mm-hmm. that can do the four door commuting things and solves the V8 problem? Here's where I ended up. Okay. Used Porsche Panamera with the V8. That's cool. That's cool. Good sports car handling, four seats, four doors, decent cargo space, all-wheel drive, everything you've liked that your WRX does, but not a WRX at all. It's true. That's so good. So I did think about that. I, I don't know that that's what you want because I get the sense with how you've talked about the fact that the Tahoe is not for you, that <laughs> you like smaller things. Yeah. So, I, so I may be in the wrong place there. So I want to talk about two other things, and that is uh, still doing with the V8. And I think in these scenarios, it's the... Let's pay off the WRX and keep it as the known thing and then go another route. Right, right. In this scenario, I do have to say that the C7 is your play. Think get so? Get a C7 Corvette. Get the Grand Sport version that has the wide Z06 look about yeah, it. Yeah, But has all the luxur- luxury of the Grand Sport. And that is a fantastic, naturally aspirated V8 experience with a modern interior. I think you would love that car. But I have a wild card I like even more. Okay, go. Yeah, Um <clears throat> I'm sorry, Brandon, brace yourself. V8, totally unlike anything you've had. Yeah. Grand Tourer. Jensen like Interceptor? No, actually not. The Aston Martin V8 Vantage. Those Get one of so those cool. for around 60 grand. It's it's exactly up. Op- Your wife has the Tahoe. You have a WRX for the daily random duties. You have an S2000 over here for, for sports car. You have a V8 Vantage. Children weep at the sound of a V8 Vantage. It's great to be in. It's great to look at. It's great to drive. It's great to listen, drive by. That's my favorite for you by far. It is pretty good. Well, you have many V8 choices. I'll throw in another one, that 2007 Audi RS4, but they're not sixty grand. they are now like a collector's item, and yeah. they're perfect, even mm-hmm. with high miles. And yeah. They're super expensive. I thought, you know, manual V8 and a little sedan, like last of the era for that one. That's better than the WRX and does the same thing. It kind of is. The it's maintenance a- is a whole separate <laughs> discussion, but it's See, really cool. I've introduced more problems for you, but still, you've got choices, Brandon. Please let us know. Write to us with your Topic Tuesdays, your car debates, and your car conclusions from any of the debates, or if you had your own and we didn't get to it, we'd love to hear what you bought. For sure. On Instagram, Petrolhead2003 asks, how do we deal with badge snobs in the car mm. community? Do we try to educate them or just ignore them because of their ignorance? If I'm off the rails, I like it when I'm corrected. I am a badge snob. <laughs> well, hi, my name's Paul. In some ways, you I'm are. a badge snob. It all started when I was eight years old, and I got a tester's Porsche model, uh-huh. and I put it together, and I became a snob. Well, but I, I, I'll back you up again here, because you are a Porsche snob. You love Porsche in general, for sure. But it's not like a Hyundai drives by, and you go, Hyundai? True. I love Hyundais. I've discovered Maserati. I am stepping out, man. (laughs) You are. No, it's over the course of time, as Todd and I have driven more since the inception of the show, one of the things we told each other, we thought, you know what? We need to drive cars as they are because Mm. something might surprise us. Something Mm -hmm. might be really good. And the badge on the steering wheel is sort of like, uh, we've got the perception of old Hyundais and Kias, which still remains. The remnants of that are hard to get rid of. Not just car enthusiasts, but People in general. Oh, you drive a Kia? What are you thinking? No, it's a Kia Stinger. And I should take awesome. you for a ride. Yeah. You will be blown away. And usually people are. So we decided we never wanted to, we, almost as if in our minds, we put black electrical tape mm-hmm. over the, the, the logo on the yes. steering wheel yes. and then just thought, okay, this is car. What do I think of it? Mm-hmm. And then do the review, then talk about the car. Oh, and then if you, know, you ripped it off, surprise, it's a Nissan or yeah. Whatever. You Whatever know what it I mean? is, yeah. So I think the more the badge snobs in the car community around you can be educated and learn that, okay, it's a Kia, but yeah, I paid less, but 
whoo, man, does it drive nice? And Mm -hmm. getting that experience will help you. It's hard to not be a badge snob when the internet and Instagram is just full of McLarens and you know, hot yeah, cars yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. And you just, you gravitate towards the luxury brands. Of course, style is involved, but the more you drive, the more you're open-minded to driving things that are good. But the second part of that badge snob thing is looking inward. You have to allow yourself and give your permission, give yourself permission yeah, to yeah, like yeah. that thing. You, you dismissed and then you begrudgingly admit it's okay, but you know, that's <laughs> yeah. still for yeah. other people to drive. It's not for me. But then when you're like, wow, I, I could actually see myself doing that. And then it fits my budget. And, yeah. Lantra ends are sweet, you know, or yeah. whatever. No, I love this question, Petrohead. I think it's great because it is an ongoing issue. And I think conversation is key here. I think mm-hmm. bias in any area, forget cars for a minute, all comes from conversation. But I think in the car community, be careful because people are going to be every have every bit as much vitriol in this car discussion as they would with religion and politics or whatever. Mm-hmm. So be careful in these conversations and know you're not going to walk into these conversations just, I'm going to throw down a comment and you're going to change your mind. Probably not going to happen. But at <laughs> right. the same time, trying to say, hey, have you, have you considered these other cars that are out of your normal range? Have you thought about them? And the key thing in all of them that I always want to ask people is, have you driven one? Because yeah. we all yeah. think we know about what the cars we haven't driven are like. Now, you and I are blessed by the fact that we've driven most everything and can kind of get into mm-hmm. whatever. But over the course of this show, that's what I've watched progress. We did that 15-year video that came out yesterday, and it was interesting to kind of look back and think about how my opinions of brands have changed, how my opinions of individual cars have changed as we've driven more. And so many times when we, and I am including myself, we have an opinion about a car brand or an opinion about a model. And then there's one that breaks that down. You know what makes that change really happen is driving it and going, now wait, now wait, hang on. This is much different than I thought it was. It may still not be for me. That's the other thing. You can open yourself up to cars you didn't think you'd like and find them to be really good and still not for you. True, true. I, we encounter this a lot on YouTube comments, yeah, especially with the Corvette convertible versus Lexus uh, LC 500 oh, sure. convertible yeah, yeah. and people of both sides. You know, we've made a comment. Mm-hmm. People drop in from the sky and say how terribly wrong we are. No, I won't subscribe. You don't know what you're talking about. And to your point, Todd, the first question in return is, have you driven it? Yeah. Have you driven the Corvette? Yeah. It's actually really nice. Have you driven the Lexus? I mean, either way, it, it happens yeah. on both sides. And it's typically people that are commenting that already own whatever car they're defending. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or they want to own that car and yeah. they've read everything about it. And if you really scratch below the surface, well, they admit they haven't quite driven it yet, but I know it's still going to be the best. The GTR, when it came out, it's talk about badge snob. <laughs> it's the best car ever because the specs say finally it beats Porsche at their own gain. The Porsches are triple the cost and screw Porsche. And this is the best car ever. And look what we've done. And uh, okay. By the way, have you priced a new GTR recently? Yeah, have you priced Ter- one? But terrifying. You know, Porsche hasn't just kind of stood still either. True. They've yeah, yeah. Continued on with some amazing stuff, and you drive one, you think, okay, now, now, who are you as a driver? And then the more these badge snobs drive, I think your driving tastes change completely. Yeah. Ghosty Miata wrote in and said, after we've driven the roads in Germany, and he has as well, what traffic law or rule would we love to see the U.S. adopt? Or in contrast, which one do we are you glad we don't have? I really wish we had more driver instruction. Uh-huh. These are all connected. More driver instruction, the left lane passing rules of Germany, and some de-restricted zones where it was no speed limit at all. Yeah. But but yeah. having having people understand that when you're out on a freeway and if you need to pass, you're in the left lane, otherwise you are not getting in the left lane. Now, people have accused us of not doing this, and I will admit, we're not always doing this in the U.S. because that's not the rules here. Mm-hmm. The rules here are not stay right unless you're passing. The rules here are a free-for-all. I've passed on the far right lane because it's the only lane not clogged. I'm not proud of this. I wish it wasn't the case, mm-hmm. but it's not like the 18-wheelers are always in the right lane and the people going faster in the left. That's not happening here. I wish the lane discipline was actually something that worked here and people were better educated on driving. And then, therefore, we could hopefully have nice things. Like when you've got six <laughs> lanes, there's some yeah. lanes that are going quick. I wish there were some law that would get rid of retaliation. Retaliation for the most perceived slight that you didn't get over soon enough or you oh, blocked me. And 
maybe they didn't know. I, I mean, most of that comes down to phones. It still doesn't help you steer the car. <laughs> it's true. It's true how that happens. But still, I, if there's just the slightest, you know, offense and affront to the, just let it go. Just let it go. Just drive yeah. around or, you know what? More attentiveness. That comes back to education. Yeah. There's actually people behind you. You're not the only person on the planet. I know this is news to you, <laughs> but still. <laughs> wow. Our friend Jeff Glocker from Hooniverse writes to us. Oh, hey, yeah. man, really nice to hear from you. He asks, any car, you get the keys for one empty lap of the ring. What are you taking? Mm. Hands down. I bet I know exactly what you're Hands down. Say. There's no contest anymore. The Cayman GT4 RS. Yeah, that's up there. I, 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 that's a perfectly solid, able <sighs> to be easily defended answer, and I kind of <sighs> am with you. I am waiting because I am Lotus Guy. How good's the Amira going to be? The Amira. I'm, I'm really excited for the but, Amira. But the GT4 RS and an empty Nürburgring? I'm sorry, but what day do I need to arrive? I will come to our friends at RSR, and I will take that on. I know everybody kind of is aware of this car, but I'm just going to paint the picture one last time. (laughs) Imagine a GT3 Cup engine Uh dropped into a Cayman with 493 horsepower, 331 pound-feet of torque, a 9,000 RPM redline, and forged titanium piston rods. The engine's in the cabin with you. We have a really cool video coming of this. (sighs) Yes, it's, that, that's the car. Waleed writes in on Facebook and he says, how are car companies dealing with the noticeable noise, vibration, and harshness issues of electric cars because the engine rumble isn't there to cover up the problems? How are they dealing with this? They're dealing with this almost car by car. Various manufacturers are kind of finding their way on this because you're right. You've taken away that rumble and vibration of the engine, which covered so many flaws. So many other things in the car that you don't notice now if you take that away. Some car companies are doing it pretty well. What's interesting is when we were recently in the Cadillac, mm. the Lyric, mm-hmm. it had noise cancellation coming out of the speakers and the headrests, which turned that car into a church. It was so quiet in that car. And it was because whatever they were finding, they'd programmed for the noise canceling to kill. If you lean your head out of the line of sight of those headphones, it gets really loud, and then you lean back in. <laughs> stress. Just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. There's a question on here from I am the Problem 28 asking, in view of where I am now with the 928, would I had, have rather spent more money up front and purchased a better sorted example? Mm, I'm just going to sit here and listen. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. But I didn't have that kind of money when I bought the car. Mm. I could swing and also justify a thirteen thousand five hundred dollar nine twenty eight that still ran was pretty good. Yeah, from from what I could tell and from what I knew. Yeah, but I also knew what I was getting into. It's not like I needed a pre purchase inspection and ooh, when was the last? It was a thirty seven year old car, thirty eight year old mm-hmm. car when I yeah. bought it. Yeah, I kind of knew that it would need stuff. And over time, yeah, I spent a lot more than that on the car, but I, weirdly, I'm not clairvoyant. I didn't know that I would do an entire engine rebuild. <laughs> and I just thought, you know what? I want it back in my life. I'm parking my money for the moment. If I want to get rid of it, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And it was purchased before we even conceived of the cars of the past. Yes. It's and all your fault. Todd was like, oh, man, <laughs> I have to buy a Z now because yep. you, and I, it hadn't even occurred to me. I just thought, okay, 13.5, that's yeah. reasonable. If it needs stuff, I can putter around and tinker with it. I didn't know I'd be blasting yeah. money at it True. through a fire hose. But yes, I would have bought a better sort of example. But the problem with buying a car that old is it will still need stuff, even if I had bought a better example. You're right. It will. And, so and I might as well buy the cheap one. The thing that you guys have to understand about the 928 is that I, I, I could be getting this wrong, but Paul had been kind of like 50% searching for a somewhat affordable manual transmission 928 for four or five years before he pulled the trigger on this one. The, the, yeah, the, the, the tug would go away for a little bit, and then he'd come back. Yeah. And then he'd go look at a couple, and he wouldn't buy it, and he'd come back. So when this one, when he like stumbled into it, it had been a long time coming. It's just my frustration so. was suddenly like, uh-oh, we're doing cars of the past now, aren't we? Because we joked. We had we had also behind the scenes joked about, wouldn't it be cool to go back to those cars? Ha ha, wouldn't it yeah. be funny? We're doing other things. We're buying old cheap sedans and sports cars. So I knew where we were headed. But to your credit, you had been, you had been kind of half looking for a while. 
I guess so. But in no way, I admit this out loud, it was never to force you into buying anything. It was never to surprise you and be like, okay, no, no, we no. have to do this and I'm going to force you to spend money you don't have. And no, no, no. I, did, I didn't take it that way. That was not the issue. No, I saw it the other way around. I saw the audience going, <laughs> well, Paul bought his old car. Where's Todd? <laughs> I guess That's so. what I saw. I just thought if, it, if it's here and we enjoy it and we do stuff with it and then it goes away and then it's turned into this thing, which I love... And I'm glad I've been able to have the money to dump into it. It's painful. But on the other hand, it, the car is starting to become pretty sorted. And it's kind of awesome now. And not that they're going up in value like Todd's Z car. We just saw and bring a trailer. I was just going to bring that up. Absurd pricing, which has made me think, uh, I mean, you got a deal on your car. And I guess yeah. they're going up now. Even uh, if you get mm. another five, ten on top of what you pay, even if you get a break-even kind of a deal? I'd be excited to get my money back out of the car. Sure. 1994, I have to, if you haven't seen it already, I have to walk through it because it is madness. Yeah. Just, it's madness in a description. A 1994 Nissan 300ZX. Now, let me, let me put this in perspective for you. 94 is the mid-cycle refresh. It's got a different wing on the back. The, uh, the four-wheel steering goes from hydraulic to electronic, which was less prone for okay. leak problems. So there were mechanical changes. There's, the uh, the seat belts are on the door of my car because that's how they worked around the automatic seat belt thing. Oh, they had them on the yeah. door in '94. They put them back on the B pillar where they should be. So there's this is the beginning of the dot two, if you will, the second half of the car, which is awesome. It's red, which is the color that is the the most valuable. So it is the proper spec. Okay, it's got like twenty eight thousand miles when it's sold, but it's sold. If you haven't seen this already, and I have to just take a deep breath. Oh my gosh. Oh, gosh. It sold on Bring a Trailer for $135,000. It's horrifying. That is the new record for these cars. Now, I love my 300ZX. They are phenomenal. I think they are undervalued, have been undervalued for a long time, in spite of the fact that they've doubled in the last, like, five years. I think they're still undervalued. Compared to something like a Super, I think they're massively undervalued. But $135,000 is a no is it? It's a no. What was the mileage on that thing? Like twenty four. It's like twenty eight, twenty two thousand miles. There it is, twenty two thousand miles. Well mm. documented. I, I get it. I, I am. I am the the evangelist for these cars. I love these cars. They're great. This is a lot like my car. Three years newer with some of the tweaks. One hundred and thirty five thousand dollars is a hard stop. Got a question here from Michael Witzel who says, what about the new trend of what he's calling throttle kids? I haven't heard that term, but maybe it's a known term. Riding e-bikes or scooters as their first mode of transit. Will cars no longer be interesting because they're doing that? You're talking about the difference between I have a bike and I have a car. And I think that will always be that draw to have the car more than just a bike. But I understand the e-bikes and the scooters, that gives you plenty of transport speed without having to pedal, pedal for yourself. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the long term of this is. I think it will perpetuate that reality that's happened in the last 10 or 15 years since the smartphone and since things like Uber, where I don't need a car. Part of the benefit of having a car is the fact that it gets you places you can't get to otherwise. If you solve that problem, public transit or whatever, then it starts to go, yeah, do I need all that expense? I can understand why you don't. But I have a quick <clears throat> PSA slash parent rant on this. Okay. I don't understand this reality. We've gotten to a place, you and I, Paul, and many of you listening, survived the era where there were no car seats and there were no helmets and there were no knee pads. And we, we survived. In spite of ourselves, we survived. We've now all gotten smarter, okay? And we've gotten convinced, you and I, when we go mountain biking, we wear helmets. And they yes. Have, they have, <laughs> we have both used our helmets before. Helmets are paramount, yeah. okay? Yeah. When you get above about 20, 25 miles an hour, it could easily easily be argued you're supposed to be wearing a motorcycle level helmet mm. because of the potential damage to your skull. Okay, e-bikes and e-scooters. For some reason, there is no equal sign in people's minds. When I am on a pedal bike, I need a helmet. When I am on an e-bike, I don't. Yeah, right. I am seeing people right. flying around Park City on e-bikes, flying down my street. Kids fly down my street. This is the funniest part. I will see the same child bike down my street wearing a helmet. Have you really? E-bike down the street, not wearing a helmet. What's the difference? I have no idea. Helmets, people. Helmets. Wow. Well, Jorge M. says that Porsche's boss, a proponent of developing clean synthetic fuels, is now going to head up the entire Volkswagen mothership. What are our comments on that? 
I'm fascinated by this too. I'm reading the news just like you guys are. But uh, Olivier, Oliver Bloom, is now the main boss. He is well-liked by the Porsche family. And I'm encouraged. I, neither Todd and I have ever thought that internal combustion engines are completely going away. I think there's just going to be a, a continued mix of power plants. For sure. Car companies are For still sure. going to try things that work. And here we go. Clean synthetic fuels that not just save all of Porsche's old cars, but save every other old car too. Yes to that. And they're not only doing this, they're mulling as of this recording, a new IPO to go public. And then we're reading the just came out on motorsport.com. Some news about Porsche's planned 50% buy-in of the Red Bull formula one team Mm. ahead of a potential announcement. We're looking at that. There's no definitive news, but Formula One is not all electric. True. So if they introduce synthetic fuel across the board and it continues our love for cars and creates great sports cars for the future from any mm-hmm. brand, I don't care. Yes to all that. So I'm I'm intrigued and encouraged by this. Yeah, yeah. Under the prior boss, Volkswagen didn't really get the software in the ID4 <laughs> right. Uh-huh. That management really didn't go so well, and we hope that changes because... Volkswagen can do amazing things. They've got amazing brands in their mm-hmm. mothership. Absolutely, they do. And if they really get it sorted, you know, for their EVs, for range and a great interior and a great interface, and you know, synthetic fuels supporting what we love about mm-hmm. ICE cars, yes to all that. So, I think it's only encouraging. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us, you know where, and we're looking forward to hearing your comments on our 15-year video. We can't believe 15 years on yeah. YouTube. As we always joke, back when it was cat videos and family vacation photos, uh-huh. it was two years old at that point. It was conceived in 05, if I recall right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was you know, bought like the year before. Barely started. It was crazy. Yeah. Since 07. I can't believe it. So thanks to you guys for consuming our content and for supporting what we do because we couldn't do it without you. And we just love to share the journey with you. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone. <laughs>